podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Brianna. I'm Amanda. And hello again. Welcome back to Hell on Hills podcast. This is what, episode 14? 15? 15. 15. We're like teenagers now. And we have been for a couple episodes, but it's just dawning on me. We're oh, a teenager. Yeah. We're like a whole ass teenager right now. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't want to relive my teen years, but here we are. Oh, God, no. Uh-uh. Oh, well, that's fun. Well, we do have a couple updates for you guys. The first one is, a, well, I should say we have a, a update about Patreon specifically. So we are working on revamping our Patreon. So we're going to have some more fun content on there. Just recently, Amanda, Bree, and I, we found out our futures. And it was yeah. pretty intense because MASH tells us everything. And if you guys don't remember MASH, the game growing up for Mansion Apartment, Shack House, we you had a our own childhood. Yeah, you if didn't you have a great it. childhood <laughs> if you didn't do MASH. Um, so we relived that a little bit. That'll be going up on Patreon soon-ish. But we did find out. We, we've changed it up. So instead of it being Mansion Apartment, Shack house for us it is mansion asylum shack haunted house because you know i mean we gotta Uh, put some adventure in at least two of us end up in an asylum one of us married to a poltergeist the other two married to murderers um it is (laughs) a wild ride there we also figure out how we die all sorts of things happen so we're working on revamping patreon with these type of things um we're talking about some other other games that we can put on there that we can have um, our patrons involved in. So keep an eye on updates for that. Um, if you guys have any ideas of what you want to see on there, let us know as well. And we can definitely take it into account. Did I miss anything on that, guys? I don't think so. It's about cover. Yeah, we want y'all as our Hellions to just tell us what y'all want and we'll provide it. Yes. I wanted to get within reason. Hellions in there. Yeah. 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 Within, reason, within reason. We're not going to be getting too wild. My achy body can't handle it, apparently, so. I might show an elbow, though. I might. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was a... Your it... weenus? Yeah, I'll show the weenus. I'll show My both weenuses. Covered. Is it weenuses or weenus eye? Or is it just ween eye? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know either, so. I'll Google it. Okay, Google it. While I'm Googling, how was y'all's week? Mm, not great. Well, the week was fine. The weekend has turned to shit because I have a a kinked neck now. So if you guys see me wince in pain, that's why. And I can't get rid of it because we're going on day three. Okay. First of all, that's horrible. Second of all, it is weenuses. W-E-N-I-S-E-S. According to Wiktionary. (laughs) Wiktionary? Yes. That's that's a thing? Now I know it is. Okay. I learned two things today. Weenuses and Wiktionary. Good to know. How are oh, you, Bree and Amanda? My week has been pretty good. Um, don't really have anything to complain about. Don't really have any new stuff to report. So on to you, Amanda. Well, I turned in my badge this week. I quit my job. I'm not incredibly excited about it, but I didn't have much of a choice in the matter. Um, because James, huh? How did it go? Oh, it was fine. I mean, they understood and I mean, they didn't want me to go, obviously, and I didn't want to go. But James is now working 12 hour shifts, 12 hour night shifts. So there's just there's 
absolutely no way we could make that work. And even if we did, like when I looked into childcare, it would be over a third of my check. So not only would it be impossible to make work like financially, it just did not make sense. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm going to start a garden or something because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stay at home mom oh. now. Yep. Wow. Wow. You sound excited to be a stay at home mom. Yeah. So excited. <laughs> I mean, I love my daughter. Don't get me wrong. I just, I'm bored. She sleeps most of the day right now. I need a hobby. Luckily I have a podcast. Yeah. Okay, and you've got videos to edit, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Look at you go. You've got a whole active. Okay, so glad else? we did this. I know, right? You're welcome. You're welcome. We pushed for this. I think I was the annoying one going, let's do this. No, for reals. Let's actually fucking do this. <laughs> Thank you. So. I think you were the one that like set up the channel on Discord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because little did you guys know, there were supposed to be four of us. And mm-hmm. yep. we're... She just wasn't able to, and it's fine. She's got a baby. She's got a lot of babies at home, doesn't she? I think so. Yeah. She's got a lot going on. She couldn't do it, and that's fine. But, yeah, so. So you're stuck with us instead. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. No. You get to listen to us eat and talk about true crime and eat some more and then talk about paranormal and then eat some more. Like, it's a very exciting podcast here. (laughs) It is, yeah. Speaking of, I had an idea while we're on the subject of um, Patreon, even though we moved past that like five minutes ago, we should be putting our recipes on here on Patreon as well. I like that idea. So that everyone knows what to pair with their true crime or paranormal stories. Oh, I like that. But instead of mine, I might use James's because he is a better cook than I am. I didn't say they had to be your recipes. Perfect. They can be James's. We can have dinner recipes and then dessert recipes. Mm-hmm. I like this idea. Just since we're always eating, probably a good idea for us to tie that back in. Somehow, make it seem like we eat on purpose during the podcast. <laughs> so, Well, are you guys ready to get started? Because we've got a special episode this week. Amanda, would Hi. you like to announce what's happening this week? Yes. Uh, First, I have a little story. So for Christmas, and I've already told y'all this story, for Christmas, I went back down to Alabama. I actually went to Upper Alabama, stayed a few days, and then went to Lower Alabama. And it was just me and my daughter. And my daughter was maybe a month and a half at the time, not quite two months yet. No, yeah, she was about a month, month and a week, somewhere around in there. Um, So my dumbass thought it would be a a good idea to drive six hours and then eight hours with her. And James had to work, so he stayed. And the first time I stopped, when she started crying and would not stop, I stopped at the gas station. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. I'm going to change her. I'm going to use the bathroom. I'm going to get gas. We're going to get this done. So I change her. And the- good God. Apparently the baby is sensing that you're talking about her. Speak of Ugh. the devil and she shall appear. Right? I swear. Um. okay so we're in the bathroom and I'm changing her and I'm good like I look like I know what I'm doing I look like I've had three kids before this one like I'm getting stuff done so this lady comes up this older woman and she's just looks sweet as hell like a little old granny 
And she asked me, she's like, do you need some help? And I'm like, no, ma'am, I, I got it. Um, and she's like, okay, are you sure? And I'm like, I'm positive. So, okay, she leaves. A couple more minutes go by and I'm waiting to use the bathroom and I have her in my hands and this other lady comes up and she's like, do you need some help? No, what are you? What do you expect me to do? Hand you my child while I cut myself in a stall and pee? No, ma'am. No, thank you. Yes. No. Mm -mm. Are you supposed to hand children to strangers all the time? Uh, that wasn't in my parenting class that I did not take. Okay. So I don't think so. Hold on just a second, y'all. I'm going to shove a bottle in her mouth. I'm sorry. Maybe if you would just like feed her when she's hungry, she wouldn't have to scream at you now. I literally fed her at uh, 4.45. Okay, sorry. The, the real challenges of recording a podcast here. Live oh. and in person. Well, not live, but. Live and in person. It's neither. Not in person. Still. <laughs> Point is, is that you're hearing it. I'm hearing it live. Kind of. It, it almost feels in person. Feels too in person for me. <laughs> I can move the mic if I need to. Move it away a little bit. So no, she just cries into the open air. Yeah, that sounds even better. <laughs> <laughs> but basically the moral of that story is I'm not doing great in life by no means, but I am not bad enough to accept help from a stranger in a love's bathroom. Okay. I, okay. I can see it. Now, the reason this story came into play here, um, first off, I have one photo on the drive for now. This is going to be a two-part episode because we got a long one here. And Also, in case you were wondering, that was the announcement I was asking if you wanted to share. Yeah, 40 Just, minutes ago. That's what she asked if I wanted to yes. talk about. Sorry, she, I have a two-parter. Um, just looking at this picture, and I will post it, obviously. Can Do y'all have any theories on what's going on? Well, she's she done. I, I know the story, so I'm going to just stay quiet. Okay. Bree, do you know the story? I don't. Um, so what, what do you think is happening? Well, she looks like a fine, nice woman. Um, all dressed up nice and pretty. The men, or at least the man that you can see the face too. It looks like he has a, it looks like they're taking her in for questioning. I mean, that's all I have. Couldn't say okay. anything else. But it doesn't look like she's being arrested or anything. Not from the Not angle by any of the picture. Yeah. Like you can't see any handcuffs. It's, it's basically just a little old lady holding an umbrella. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, she's all dressed nice and pretty in her, Nice red jacket, and she's got her purse, and yeah, doesn't look okay. like she's getting arrested. So keep this in mind, hold on to it, and I'm gonna explain it tomorrow. So no, this tomorrow. tomorrow, and by tomorrow I mean next week. She means next episode. Me and Bree both were like, we're not recording tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, you could get on here on your own. <laughs> I'm going to explain it tomorrow in my mind, which means absolutely nothing. So well, then why is, the fuck would you post it today? I don't fucking know what's going on up here, okay? Okay, what's happening is it's, <laughs> next episode is when you guys yes. will um, 
AKA Let's next see. week. Yes. Next week. I'll tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. So this is a story of Dorothea Puente. Dorothea Helen Gray was born January 9th in 1929 in Redlands, California. There are countless conflicting reports in this story, mostly having to deal with her childhood, because Dorothea is a compulsive liar. She lies about anything and everything. What we do know is that she was the sixth of seven children born to Trudy Gray and Jesse James Gray. That's a lot of kids, by the way. Yeah, especially in 1929. That's also a lot of kids considering Jesse was a soldier in World War I. And in that war, his lungs were damaged in a mustard gas attack. So because of that, Jesse developed and continued to suffer from tuberculosis. The family moved to L.A. in the 1930s to be closer to a veterans hospital, but her dad's health continued to deteriorate, and he was in so much pain and just in such a bad place, I imagine mentally, that it was reported that he sometimes held a gun to his head and threatened to kill himself in front of his kids, and on numerous occasions, he told them how unfair the world was. I mean, wow. And if that wasn't bad enough, both parents were alcoholics, and they fought a lot. Jesse eventually became bedridden, and their mother disappeared for days at a time, neglecting their kids, often not feeding them. In one source, I actually read that her mom locked Dorothea and her younger brother in a closet when she left. I don't know why she didn't do this to the rest of the kids. I don't know if that's true. Maybe they were the youngest too and couldn't be, she didn't want them out and about. I don't know. Couldn't be tamed. <laughs> I was going to say couldn't be, because I, I was thinking about like with the dog, I can't her because she can't be trusted, but these are also humans, not dogs. So. And it's a closet, not a kennel. Yeah. But either way, not, not great childhood. Um, Dorothea actually relied on her older siblings to take care of her. And a lot of times they would go around the neighborhood to neighbors and the neighbors would feed them. As a kid, she started coming up with different identities and backstories for herself. And a couple of these are that she was born and raised in Mexico. She was not. She was the youngest of 18 children. And she was the sister to a Swedish ambassador. And this habit of lying would continue throughout her life. She never stops. When she was eight, her father died of tuberculosis and her mother actually lost custody of Puente and her siblings. So she ended up bouncing between orphanages, foster homes, and relatives from the ages of eight to roughly 16. And we're not sure of exactly when she left some Sources said that her relatives got her and she ran away. Uh, other sources said that she was actually, uh, that she just ran away from the orphan- orphanage. So after, a year after her mother lost custody, Trudy Gray actually died in a car accident. While she was at the orphanage, uh, during, spoiler alert, her trial, 
uh, a witness would testify that Puente was actually sexually abused while she was there. So she's just had a really shit life. So sad. I mean, from a psychological standpoint, I guess, you can kind of see that, you know, her lying and making up these stories is just kind of her way of coping with what she's been through. Mm -hmm. And she's just trying to, like, make up a life in her head that she has, but she doesn't have it. And it's really sad. Unfortunately, it doesn't really get better. Um, at 16, for reasons unknown, she was going by Sherry in Olympia, Washington. She had a part-time job at a local milk milkshake parlor. And she also started working as a sex worker. At the age of roughly 16 or 17, uh, I couldn't find a set age. But it was during this time she met and married Fred McFall. And he was a 22-year-old soldier living in the hotel where she met her clients and conducted her business. I'm sorry. All I keep because I'm Not stuck on the milkshake. And all I can think what? is my milkshake brings all the books to the earth. Like I'm tying them together. I'm sorry. I'm so glad you brought that up because I had that note and I just accidentally skipped past it. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to, I don't want to go back to it. But well, I, I went back because that's all because like she's working as a milkshake maker. And then like, obviously it's horrible that she's working as a sex worker. But like, that's all I, my brain went to was my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. I, I, this, this is why we're friends. Okay. I know. Right. <laughs> Were statutory rape laws not a thing back then? In the 20s or 30s, maybe 40s, 50s by this time? I don't think so. By this time, I think it was still kind of normal. And like I said, I, we don't really know how old she is because everything is just wild with her. So she could have been around 18 at this time. Okay. <laughs> okay. What we do know is that she signed her marriage certificate as 30-year-old Sheriala A. Russell. Is she not sure what her age is? Like, did she forget? Like, that's her. She's jumping everywhere. Did she forget her name? Was she in, like, a tragic accident where she has trauma to her head? Like, I'm confused. She just loved telling stories. She liked... I guess maybe she didn't want to be herself. I have no idea. I don't have a psychology degree. I don't have any kind of degree. But I can tell you that apparently Fred McFall, he didn't care about the sex work or the lies. He actually was said in the beginning to kind of think her lies were cute and kind of endearing. And because it was like he, a mystery for him? Like, oh, that's a mystery. I've got a figure maybe. out if this is true or not i don't know it's so weird yeah maybe he thought she would grow out of it but he said that he actually enjoyed her popular personality because he appreciated like the attention that she got while they were out drinking at bars i guess you know she everybody loved her everybody always said she was super charismatic so he just kind of saw her as the life of the party and he also said that he admired her survival skills, and he said that she knew how to make a buck when she wanted to. When she wanted to. Okay, I mean, sure. So they had two daughters together. The first one was sent to live with relatives, and the other one was given up for adoption. 
Okay, why up. was one sent to live with relatives and the other was sent for adoption? I wrote the wrong name right, right there. Hold up just a second. I'm sorry. I want to make sure that I wrote this right. Because I mixed the names up with her second husband. I'm so sorry, y'all. I just don't want to fuck it up. Okay, yeah. I was right. Like I said, I just wanted to make sure. I just wrote the wrong fucking name down. Okay, sorry. So, back at it. They had two daughters together. The first one was sent to live with relatives. And the other one was given up for adoption. And from what we know, McFall was heartbroken. He did not want this girl to be given up for adoption. It's kind of unclear how he felt about the first one. But the second one, he did not agree with it. He tried to get her back, but Dorothea had already signed the rights away. And unfortunately, there was nothing they could do. At this time, did he not have any rights? I'm not honestly sure. Just because like I, I know nowadays, if, if a child's being put up for adoption, you have to have uh, the both parents either choice, lose yeah. rights mm -hmm. or um, sign away rights. So this may have been before then. And then also it could have been the fact that from what I read, it was immediate. So like she pushed it out, she signed it away. So it might have been just like too far along before he realized it. Well, that sucks. After getting pregnant by another man, which this child she lost due to miscarriage. In 1948, McFall left Dorothea and they eventually got a divorce. And after this, Dorothea would tell everybody that he either died of a heart attack or he was a war hero that died in battle. Neither happened. He just left her because he was sick of her shit. That she's making up stories to make her life seem better because she doesn't have him anymore. So she made up a story that he died. Mm -hmm. <laughs> after this, she moved back to California and she kind of bounced in between jobs. She was arrested at the age of 19 for writing forged checks to buy clothes, and she was sentenced to a year in jail. While she was in jail, she was evaluated, and a psychiatrist stated Dorothea had a compelling need to buy clothes to reestablish self-esteem, and that she was a situational offender, not a true criminal. She was released early for good behavior after four months, but she was required to check in with a probation officer, and. She disappeared after six months of probation. Police issued a warrant, but gave up looking for her. At least she's good at something. She's good at disappearing, changing her identity. How did she just disappear, though? How do you do that? Well, I'll tell you. She fled to San Francisco, returned to sex work, but this time under the name Taya Sanguala Nayarda. So Bryce kind of hit it on the head. She has got a finesse with names. She's just like pulling those letters out of thin air and string them in, stringing them into a name. Okay, can so, you say it one more time? Taya Singuala Nayarda. And I had to write that in parentheses to know how to say it because it's it's wild. It's a wild ride in here. As Taya Singuala Nayarda, she met Axel Johansson and she claimed to be a Muslim of Egyptian and in and, Oh, my God. And Israeli descent. Hey, wait, 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 wait. She's this, like, little old, like, very pale woman. How did she pass that well, at this background? Point, she was 19. Uh, maybe between 19 and 20, because she was in jail for a couple months. Um... 
So maybe she was just a little bit darker growing up. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I assume she's on the streets a lot. That's fair. Know. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not fair. Plus but it's okay. California. It's always sunny. Okay. Fair. Fair point. You got me there. They married within the year of meeting each other and moved to Sacramento. So she don't waste time. She's quick. She's got stuff to do. Axel was a merchant seaman, so he was very often away at sea. But Dorothea reported was reported to invite men to their home at all hours and then just gambled his money away. He eventually found out and confronted Dorothea, but her behavior continued and their marriage fell apart, kind of not surprisingly. Unfortunately, though, in the 1960s, time had kind of taken its toll on Dorothea bo- Dorothea's body. She was no longer the young and thin woman that she was, so she was having trouble finding clients. So this lady opened a brothel in a rented property in Sacramento under a bookkeeping guise. The landlord became suspicious of the number of people that were coming in and out, so he called the cops. And the police watched for days, but the business seemed legit. It, it had an actual storefront. It closed every day at 5 p.m. You had to be invited and call a secret number. What was the storefront again? Uh, it was a bookkeeping. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Place. Mm-hmm. The police actually posed as truck drivers and they went in undercover. Y'all, this is wild. Okay, I thought this was so interesting. They went in undercover and they coated their hands and their money with this powder and while they were in there they touched dorothea and the other workers to mark them and then they later used a uv light to charge them because of this powder they were able to show that they took the money and uh, dorothea actually had like a handprint on her boob because she let one of the cops touch her boob and then one of the other workers had handprints on them too i'm just gonna say that would not fly in today's day and age like you're yeah, not touching me no six joke. away, please. Yeah, it's, it's COVID, social distance. You can't touch my titty. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean for plus, you can't touch my titty for multiple reasons, but that's, that's, that's a big I was going to say, I mean, James <laughs> might not like that it's just for COVID, but I mean, that's not my problem. Plus, you know, you can't have like a male or women can't, it's, you can't let a male like, a male police officer cannot like search you or whatever. Yeah, um, that's relatively that's what I was trying to say. modern though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It definitely is for sure. When they were charged, Dorothea claimed that she was just there visiting a friend. But the judge saw right through that shit because she was the one who explained the rules to the cops. And like I already told you, she had a UV handprint on her titty. However, she still charmed her way into 90 days in jail for being in a house of ill repute. Repute. She, I mean, at least she's charismatic. She's got something going for her. If anything, this is what she's learned, that I can talk my way out of anything, and that is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> house of re- What? <laughs> And a house of ill repute. Basically, she was in a she was in a whorehouse. She was in a brothel. Um, okay. After all this happened, so she gets out of jail and she gets back home. And Axel comes home and 
He has her committed to a psychiatric hospital in 1961. Records describe Dorothea at this time as very obese, infantile, and a pathological liar. Doctors diagnose Dorothea as having an unstable personality. You think? I I was just going to say, like, they didn't catch on to that beforehand. Like, no one's caught on to this yet. Yeah. Like, again, I don't have a degree, but do you have to, to, to peg that, to hammer that nail? I think so. (laughs) To make it official, at least. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I can't stamp it. Oh, well, I'll just let that one go then. Because Dorothea refused to change her ways, she's still blowing money. She's still gambling. Axel actually divorced her in 1966. And she got a few jobs here and there, but she wasted her money on clothes and shoes. And she still drank and gambled. I mean, at least she's having a party of a life. I mean, yeah, she's, she's not letting age get her down. No, she is not. And she actually... She's got a clear head here. She's kind of level-headed. She decides to open a boarding house because at this point, she's like, sex work, that is too risky. I'm not doing that again. And she... Oh, she learned her lesson. Yes. Kind of. She learned a lesson. (laughs) Yes, she learned a lesson. Sometime around in here, uh, again, it was kind of hard to pin down. She completely reinvented herself. She opened a boarding house called the Samaritans in Sacramento in 1966. It was an illegal, unlicensed halfway house. And she ran it under the name Sharon Johansson, because why not? She focused on alcoholics, addicts, and other people just down on their luck. And she made residents sign over their government checks and list her as the employee. She met Roberto Jose Puente. The same year she opened the Samaritans, he was roughly 20 years younger than she was. And they got married real quick in Mexico City. And around the neighborhood, it was rumored that Roberto married her for money and a green card. And he also immediately started cheating on her. Not like right after they got married. The infidelity led to many verbal and physical arguments between them. And in one argument, he actually stole Dorothea's car and fled to Mexico. So she filed for divorce under uh, citing domestic abuse and kept her his last name for the rest of her life. She would be known as Puente. I feel like I would be <laughs> out of that boat as quick as I could be. Oh, yeah, he was. seriously. No, I'm talking about for her. If, like... For him, yes. For her, the last name thing, I'd be like, nah, I would like my original last name back. I don't. Oh, yeah. My first you marriage, like, Mexico. divorce decree, put my put my maiden name in there. I'm going back to it. <laughs> well, that's exactly. I don't get it. Whatever. It's <laughs> different mindsets. It's fine. After this happened, the Samaritans was shut down. Some sources stated that the tumultuous marriage kind of gathered unwanted attention and the city shut it down and then other sources stated that she went bankrupt and closed it down so i couldn't really find but either way she lost her boarding house she worked to repair her reputation and opened a second boarding house in 1970 with the same business model meaning she took people that were viewed as lesser than and she made them sign over their their 
social security checks, government checks, state checks. She took their money. She opened this boarding house on 2100 F Street in Sacramento, California. It was a 16-bedroom Victorian house. And she accepted literally anybody. Most of the people that came there were turned away from other boarding homes, shelters, or halfway houses. She had a reputation for no judgment and specialized care. She hired a full staff, including groundsmen and two cooks. And she kind of revamped her image. She let her hair go white. She wore big round glasses and she dressed like an older woman would. She invited social workers for holiday dinners. And the social workers liked her because of these dinners. They said she was a great cook. And that's something that you'll hear all throughout the story, including up until the time she was in prison. She, everyone said she was a great cook. But the social workers, they also liked her because she would take all of these really difficult cases that they couldn't place anywhere else. She had two separate rooms for tenants. Those who signed their checks over to her had bedrooms with TVs. Uh, they were taken care of. Um, the ones that refused were hidden in the basement in beds divided by curtains with no lights, and they all shared a toilet. What? What? Drastic change. Mm-hmm. Wow. What an incentive to sign over your check. Yeah, kind of, unfortunately. And from what I read, the uh, <laughs> the social workers did not know about the people in the basement. They were hidden. This just... Wait, 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 wait. Don't the social workers know who sent there, though? Yes. I'm glad you asked, because later on in the story, uh, that does kind of pose a problem. But since she's accepting these alcoholics and the addicts and people like that, she can easily just say, like, I don't know where they went. They just stopped showing up or they left. And unfortunately, I mean, we kind of see addicts and alcoholics kind of do stuff like that. So they believed her. I mean, she was a nice old lady. Who? Why would she lie? She was a great cook. She was charming. That is your qualifying factor to not be a liar. Yes. You have to, to be, be a, a good cook, cook and be charming. And apparently she was both. I got the n- neither of those. So. <laughs> I'm an okay cook. I I'm like, I'm I, I can read through a recipe. It's fine. I can charm the shit out of somebody if I need to. I don't like For people, sure. so I'm sure I could charm someone, but I would choose not to. Hey, you charmed your husband. I think she just cussed he, him out. I did. That was what his he considered <laughs> charm. Um, he also spent three months begging me to go on a date with him before I actually went on a date with him. Oh, so that's a I cute played, love story. I just played really hard to get. See, I, my advice for getting attention is the same no matter who you are. No, is the same no matter what girl you are. Just be mean. Men love it when you're mean. Why do men love it when you're mean? True. I don't get it. True. Mean. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I am. I oh, I am. I am mean. Mm-hmm. Cody deserves it, though. I mean, you guys have talked to Cody a little bit. He definitely deserves it. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I, like, I have nothing to else be nice. Yeah. I never claim to be nice. I used to tell people I'm not mean. I just mean what I say. 
Okay, Amanda, continue. Okay, so back to Fakie McFakerson's. Also in this house, she set up an office and pretended to be a doctor. She even went so far as to buy medical supplies like syringes and blood pressure cuffs. And she hung up fake diplomas on the wall. She started telling people she was a surgeon. She claimed to have been a nurse in World War II. And I just did, I, I, I did a little math on this. So y'all should be proud of me. You didn't have to look that damn quick. Jesus, I use a calculator. World War II was from 1939 to 1945. She would have been between 10 and 16 years old. I don't think she was a nurse in World War II. You sure? They were really desperate for nurses. They really were. For a lot of casualties. That Do you not she, be so judgmental, Amanda? They probably had casualties because she wasn't there. This was the nurse that they needed. They probably had casualties because she was there. Correction. That one one right there. I'm going to say she was busy being a runaway at that time. So. Yes, she was bringing, her milkshakes were bringing the boys to the yard during this time. Uh, She was busy. (laughs) Uh, Also during this time, she offered medical advice to local residents. She gave people injections called vitamin shots. We still have no idea what these injections are. But they probably were not vitamin shots. I'm going to tell you right now. I've That's never heard funny. of a vitamin shot. My I mean, B12 like, I is pills. B12, but... They not, like, test it. This lady convinced an actual doctor that she had training. And she became his assistant while he was working at the house. Uh, going around. Checking on all the people there. Oh, she is very suave. She is just, like finagling her way into everyone's hearts mm-hmm. and then because what else can this lady possibly do in the mid-1970s she got involved in politics she contributed to both God, she does everything she really does because this is the part that i don't understand she contributed money to the democratic and the republican parties now, she did donate to multiple charitable case, uh, causes, which sounds like, like okay, that's actually kind of cool of you. But no, it's not because this isn't her fucking money. This is the money that she's taking from her tenants. So what the fuck's it matter if she donate? Like, she's literally doing this to make herself look good. It's working, apparently. She was even said to have danced with... Former California Governor Jerry Brown at a fundraising event. She was a pillar of the Hispanic community. She donated to Hispanic arts and education. She gave them food and clothing. And she even advised young Mexican women how to divorce their husbands. Because let's be honest, that's probably some pretty quality advice. I mean, sure. Sure. Everybody that knew her and interacted with her, she came off as a really sweet, caring person. But y'all, them stories, okay? Everybody said, like, she was really charming. She was really sweet and really caring. But everybody said she just had some, they were, like, really off-put by her stories. And just a a lot of tall tales, right? Just, like, everything was very extravagant. Oh, yes. She was a rocket. She won $10,000 on a game show and she survived the Bataan Death March, which again, I didn't know what this was, 
Britannica.com says it is a forced march of 70,000 U.S. and Filipino prisoners of war during World War II, captured by Japanese by the Japanese in the Philippines. 54,000 prisoners reached the camp. Up to 10,000 died on the way, and others escaped into the jungle. This happened in the Philippines when she was 13 years old. Listen, she's well-traveled. Can you not judge her? She is well-traveled. She is a surgeon. She is a politician. (laughs) She literally has everything. Didn't you know, Amanda, you just say what you are and you are. Like, if you say that's what it is, that's how it is. I'm a millionaire. Check your bank account. Just double check. (laughs) (laughs) She's literally checking her bank account right now. (laughs) Because I know what it is. No, nope. $3.91. Still not a millionaire. Still very Sometimes unemployed. It, maybe <laughs> it takes, it takes a, couple a couple days. days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the we'll the transaction let has to go through. I'll let y'all that, know next episode. Um, you gotta give time for it Siberia. to wire through. Well, the prince in Siberia hasn't been notified to send you the money yet, so he's working on it. Yeah. Well, somebody notify him. They're, we're working on it. Yeah, okay. chill, bro. <laughs> Until then... I'm going to tell y'all about Chief. Chief was a homeless alcoholic man that Puente adopted, heavy air quotes, and he worked as a handyman at the house. Now, throughout like her boarding houses, Puente had handymen. A lot of them were ex-cons, but they basically just, they just helped out around the house and, you know, did whatever she needed doing. Chief specifically, the neighbors saw him digging a lot. He dug up the basement. And replaced the floor with a concrete slab. He took down a garage in the backyard. And added another concrete slab. And after he took down the garage. And put that second slab in. Nobody ever saw him again. This sounds like a lot of concrete slab in the yard. Mm-hmm. Trying to some bodies. Pedro Montalvo. He worked there in 1974. He worked as a groundskeeper and a tenant. And in 1975, things got a little spicy and they began meeting with him, or excuse me, Puente started meeting with him in her room at night. They would also, right? Yes. Meeting. Yeah. They were just talking. Netflix and chill. Too bad Netflix wasn't a thing. Neither um, was a chill because Puente chill. had no chill. Fair point. <laughs> they would also go out drinking together. Now Montalvo was described as high strung and reserved, whereas people described Puente as reserved and responsible. I don't think I said that right. Fuck that. Hold on. Montalvo was described as high strung and reserved, and Puente. She was more responsible, and the couple just looked weird to onlookers. But they didn't care, because on August 28th of 1976, they got married. And this you know is what? Going to love be... is love. Um, well, in this love, they argued constantly. Montalvo found out pretty quickly that Puente was not rich, and she was probably stealing. So he left. They oh, were he, married less than a month. And after the marriage, that out without 
I mean, I guess then he would get like access to her bank accounts if she didn't sign a prenup, but not necessarily. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if prenups were a thing back then, but regardless, that's just. I okay. think he just kind of got wise, a little wiser to the way she was spending her money because, again, throughout all of this, Puente, she didn't give a fuck. She bought shoes, she bought clothes. She was like spending, spending, spending money that she did not have. Like even these other people's money. At one point, I read in a source that she got, uh, I think it was a gastric bypass surgery with the money that she took from her tenants. Damn, that shit's expensive too. She was very much, I have to look this way. She very much cared about the way she looked and clothes that she wore. Yes. They were married less than a month. The marriage was annulled and Dorothea went back to Puente. This is her fourth and final marriage. Again, what is up with the Puente? I guess she just liked that name. It, it, it does roll Puente. off the it does roll off the tongue. Mm-hmm. Like Puente, you know? I think Another thing that I read was that she really, really got along with the Hispanic community and she was constantly telling people that she was born in Mexico, she lived in Mexico, she was Hispanic. She wasn't. But from what I read, a lot of Hispanic families are the ones that took care of her growing up. So I guess that's she. That would make sense. Yeah. That's why she kind of involved herself in that community so much. And I assume at least this was just her favorite Hispanic last name. So she kept it. Kind of rude. There are better Hispanic last names. I am biased, though. So. <laughs> well, this is the, is the best. Maybe this is her favorite that she had. Oh, okay. That's access fair. to. She has access to all of them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. After this marriage was annulled, she started her newest scam. And she would find men at the bar that, she, that thought she was charming and a well-dressed, caring woman. She would go home with them, drug them, and take their social security checks. Wow. Mm-hmm. She just, dr- she drugged them? She drugged them, yes. Oh, see, that's what the vitamin shots were. No, because those were her neighbors. Those were her tenants. Oh, her The tenants. vitamin shots, yeah. The neighbors, she would give them medical advice and that's stuff. Right. But I don't know why. Because I don't know if it was any good or not. You know what? I, I don't want to know. Maybe she read on her shit. You don't know. You don't know what I mean, she did in she her She tricked the doctor, life. so apparently she knew something. I really just hope she was like a genius. And she really did know a lot of medical things from picking it up. You know? I'm sure some of it is able to, you know, like you're able to just pick it up. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's how surgeons learn. No, I don't think so. But maybe she watched a lot of like, I don't know. House. House or no, what's the other one? The Law and Order? No. No. Grey's Anatomy. Yes. Maybe. I feel like House has a lot of stuff too, though. I I don't know if I would necessarily trust any of these to give me like real information. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. But I mean, you know, you could, you could like. I don't know, research medical things and oh, what's that other one called too with um 
Oh, the actor from Norman Bates. He's the like autistic doc- the good doctor. That's a good one too. Oh, I don't know. So I if just vividly to, if y'all I just vividly remember my high school anatomy teacher telling us that house was bullshit and don't believe it. So <laughs> well, be the case with all the others too. <laughs> so we're going to go a little bit further in here. Stay with me. Stick with me. We got a long way to go. Robert Davis was a former tenant of hers. And in 1977, he was in prison. He wasn't receiving his social security checks. So he called and like, Hey, where's my money? What's going on? And they're like, your checks have been being cashed. And then he remembered that when he was a tenant, Puente had access to him. So he filed a complaint and they immediately started investigating her. And (laughs) Puente claimed that Davis allowed her to cash the checks. And she specifically said he signed the check in front of prison guards. Obviously, they asked the prison guards and the guards were like, no, that didn't happen. He's now just spinning tales that she can't get out of. Mm, that girl that needed is, to stop in her tracks right there. That's exactly what needed to happen. Uh, but it didn't. So in 1978, Puente was charged and convicted of illegally cashing 34 state and federal checks that belong to her tenants. That's a lot. That feels like a a hefty, hefty yeah. fine or something. Especially yeah. when she was, this was a 16 bedroom house, y'all. 34 checks. So she got five years probation and she was ordered to pay $4,000 in restitution. Wait, why does probation. that not feel like enough? It, I don't think it's enough. I don't think it's enough. I said five years probation. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Five years probation. Mm-hmm. Did you she say that was the 1960s? This was in 1978. So that would be probably like not even $10,000 today. That's really not a lot. That's about like 700 or so per person. Now, they also made her give up the boarding house and undergo counseling. And the psychiatrist diagnosed her as schizophrenic and a very disturbed woman. Oh, I'm so glad they're finding this out now. Mm -hmm. Really putting those degrees to work here. You know what? Those were some fancy ass degrees that they have. And it's taken them how long? Did they just print their degrees off of Google, too? Because that's what Dorothea did. No, uh, Cracker Jack boxes. Oh, okay. Cracker Jack boxes. Got, gotcha, gotcha. That's even better than Google. Yeah, because it has the delicious caramel popcorn dust on it. Yeah, duh. You could just lick it anytime you need to. Hell yeah, like the wrapper of a Reese's peanut butter cup. Exactly. <laughs> because of this specific arrest, all of her other crimes were linked to her, and her reputation was kaput is gone like you're fucked ma'am so she moved to stockton and she made money by working odd jobs and bar hopping at night finding men to scam oh and she still forged checks because she's obviously learned her lesson by this time in 1979 she started working as a nurse's aide or an in-home caretaker for the elderly 
old is she, she at this would. point? Huh? How old is she at this point? And uh, 79, she would be 50. Okay. Now, she would drug her patients and rob them. She took basically anything of value. She took checks. She took money. She took medications. She took jewelry. Anything. This is where it kind of started to catch up with her a little bit because the doctors soon became suspicious of her because her patients kept showing up at the hospital and they kind of noticed like Puente works for you, Puente works for you, Puente works for you. And they would also see the same patients showing up in the hospital. Around this time, she also met a man named Ricardo Odorica at a bar. And she specifically went up to him because somebody told her he had a room to rent. So she rented the second floor apartment of 1426 F Street. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I was about to say, didn't she have F Street already under her Mm -hmm. belt? Yep, it was a couple blocks away, but that was the first um, house that she rented, the first boarding house. It was also on F Street. And that's literally what she told him to get this apartment. She was like, yeah, I've lived in this neighborhood before and I just love it here. She babysat their kids and she taught the parents English. Like, these people loved her. They thought she was the perfect tenant. They thought she was a great woman. They absolutely adored her. His whole family. You know what? She did a good, she did her good deed for her life. What was her good deed? That ain't how karma works. She's in the negative. Uh, I know. What was her good deed? taught them English. And she babysat their kids. That's that is fucking not terrifying. When I was four years old, I taught some, I taught my best friend how to swim backstroke. That's my good deed for my entire life. I don't have to do anything else. No, you have cool. to do it. Now go take, go take someone's social security check. This is your, this is your time to shine. Exactly. Yes. Just saying that was what she considered her good deed. So around this time, she also met a man named Malcolm McKenzie in a bar. And she talked him into bringing her back to his place. She drugged and robbed him. She stole his penny collection. She stole cash and checks while he was paralyzed on the couch with his eyes open watching her. So he could physically see her hype like. Yes. At one point, he said that she crossed the room looked him dead in his eyes and took the ring off his finger. So she just drugged him to paralyze him. She didn't drug him with any other. That's dumb. That's really, really dumb. Well, after all this, she just left him there. After she robbed him, she just left him. I assume. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say I assume or anything, but can you imagine this? Like he probably thought he was going to die there. Eventually, the drugs wore off, and he reported her to the police because she used her own name, but she told him that she was in her 70s when she was in her 50s. So I don't understand what she's got. Yeah, I, I don't understand what she's got going here. One minute she's saying she's older, like one minute she's 16, but she's 30. The next she's 70, but she's 50. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like I said, maybe she doesn't know either. She's the time she can't keep up with them. The police picked her up while she was trying to cash these checks. Oh, God. And huh? they let her go. Oh, God. 
She told them that Mackenzie was mad at her because she rejected him, but he gave her the checks and they believed her. That's interesting because I don't feel like if some if I rejected someone, they would still give me money. Mm-hmm. I guess that's not true. Cody did. But I rejected him <laughs> for three she months. She was a real talker. She yeah, could talk her way out of anything. She could even talk her way out of getting checks when she rejected someone to sleep with her. I still don't think that would happen, but uh, this woman's just deranged. Yeah, she's she's wild. And because of that, this is where I'm going to stop. And we'll pick Um, up the rest next week. I see what you did there. I see. So I just love that she's got all these tall tales and um, Cody has a friend that has a lot of tall tales like that, too. Really? They sound wonderful. Well, you know, when he's got some sort of a a case open because some bank claimed he had a late payment and the the whole thing basically ended up that he's suing this bank over $50 and now he's looking at getting $100,000 in a settlement. Okay. How in the fuck do I do that? Can I meet this man? Was he also a rocket? No, he was not a rocket, but he did tell us that he met a like a really well-known millionaire that I've never heard of in some random store in Utah. And this millionaire just was like, yeah, I like you. Tell me what your business idea is and I'll, I'll fund your entire business idea. Like just first meeting. That, that doesn't happen. Rich people don't give away their money to poor people. That's why they're rich. Well, that was a good good story i'm excited for part dos yeah i am too why would you put a photo in there that we don't get to hear about until part two she's that's evil. my question for you that's the exact answer right and now. you literally asked us to describe it i thought that you were going to describe it right off the bat no no amanda <laughs> is evil yeah it's because like when i tell you what happens with that? So, like, I was pissed. So, that's why. Because it's like it's that shock factor. That shock you better gun. lead with that next week. I want to be shocked right she's off the bat. She's not going to. It's gonna, not. She's going to freaking <laughs> wait until the like, very end. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's almost the end of the story. So, that's what you have to look forward to. Oh, oh bitches. Gosh. Oh, yeah. I see how it is. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I'll get payback. Hey, Brie, your turn. Um, So this is kind of a shorter story because I knew that Amanda was doing a super long one and stories got mixed up. Yeah. So today I am doing a story over the Queen Mary ship. It has 49 reported deaths and it's haunted. If you didn't already get that. No way. (laughs) I literally have not read these notes until the previous time that I did them. So sorry. Okay. So for those of you questioning, we did some practice runs and Amanda and I got our practice run notes out of the way earlier. So Bree is doing hers now. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. The board of directors at Cunard 
or the company who owns the ship roughly in 1936 wanted to name this ship the Queen Victoria. They wrote a letter to King George to get his blessing. They proposed to name, they proposed to, quote, name our ship after the, after England's greatest queen, meaning Queen Victoria, the king's grandmother. The king is reported to have stated, my wife, aka Queen Mary, will be delighted that you are naming the ship after her. Since then, it's been recognized as the Queen Mary. They set themselves up for failure there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who do you go for? Your grandma or your wife? You know, your your wife lives with you, so go for your wife, right? She's probably the one that... Um, what was I going to say? She's probably the one that wrote back to them. And be like, oh yeah, I would really love that, but on behalf of her husband. Nope. Or she read the letter instead of her husband, and she was like, oh, they want to name a boat after me? And her husband's like, fuck. Yeah, so something happened, oh, and he's better. like, yes, yes, my <laughs> love. According to QueenMary.com, for three years after her maiden voyage, or her first voyage, the Queen Mary was the greatest ocean liner in the world, carrying Hollywood celebrities, royalty, and the Duke, royalty like the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, who at the time would have been Edward and his wife and other dignitaries like Winston Churchill. However, as World War II started, the Queen Mary was made into a troop ship. It was painted a camouflage gray color and stripped of her luxury amenities. She was the largest and the fastest troop troop ship to sail, transporting as many as 16,000 troops at 30 knots which is about 55 miles per hour. For reference, a typical sailboat goes only about 4 to 6 knots or 4.7 to 7 4.5 to 7 miles per hour. Once World War II ended, the Queen Mary was revamped to her original glory. In 1947, it started its regular passenger service for more than two decades. In 1965, the Cunard fleet decided to sell the Queen Mary, and October 31st, 1967 was her final cruise. Wait, what year was that again? 67? 67. Okay. The Queen Mary was known for its elegance and class. It had five dining areas and lounges, two cocktail bars and swimming pools, a grand ballroom, a squash court, and even a small hospital within it. That's a lot. Yeah. I don't even... That's a lot. On a boat? Wait, what is squash? Do you guys know which game that is? Like, I know it's like a sport of some sort. Okay. I think it has a stick involved. Yeah, I think squash involves... Hold up. I got y'all. Okay, I'm glad that we none of us know. Because <laughs> I keep thinking, and I know it's not because this one's polo. I think of the one with like the horse and the dick hitting the ball. On, you guys know what According I'm talking about? According to yes. lifeline21.co.uk, squash is a fast-moving racket sport. It can be played with two peoples in a single match and four people in a doubles contest. The game is played within a four-walled court with a small hollow rubber ball. Both players are equipped with squash rackets dangerous that's like 
Okay, that's the ball. That's the game where you know you have like a racket, right? And you just hit the ball back and forth at the wall. Yeah, I thought that's that was like the game ball. that that's the game that Niles and Fraser are always playing in. Fraser, yes, it is. Okay, I got you now. It is with their little white tight shorts, little shorty shorts. Wow, y'all! I literally have this. I have what squashes in my next sentence. <laughs> We just wanted you to Google to verify. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, squash is essentially tennis, but you're hitting the ball at the wall and each person alternates hits. Sounds like we, such a dangerous like a, game. It sounds like fancy wall ball to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. Queen Mary's last voyage was in 1967 and has since been docked off the coast of Southern California and Long Beach. So, the Queen Mary has also been nicknamed the Grey Ghost. According to a bunch of sources, some people say the Queen Mary is one of the most haunted places in the world. And Hist Echo says there are, quote, as many as 150 known spirits lurking upon the ship. End quote. I could not find 150 spirits, y'all. I am so sorry. But that <laughs> you also apparently there are 150. Yeah, that would be a lot. Sorry. You just found your favorites and that's fine. Exactly. <laughs> so I won't get into all of them, but here are a few that really stood out. On the Queen Mary ship, there's there are obviously a bunch of doors, but from what I read, there are doors that are labeled as door one, door two, door three. Okay, door 13, a door to the engine room that is about 50 feet below water level, crushed at least two men to their death. And people one wonder of them, why I don't like the number 13. <laughs> Neither do Rougarous. 13 <laughs> is my lucky number. You are very different than me. <laughs> I gotcha. It's <laughs> never a good number for me. Friday the 13th, something always happens to me that's good. Something good always happens to me. See, Friday the 13th, something bad always happens to me. Always. Say love Me and James, uh, we were going to get married on a Friday the 13th, but we got tired of waiting to want to come around. They come around. Yeah, but not like I wanted to get married when it was cold in either fall or winter, and they were always in the fucking spring and summer. Uh uh, it's hot. No, I don't like there are two Friday the 13th a year. So, well, we got married last year. So, no, two years before last. It's January. I was gonna say, you're you're off. I knew you were off. Um, one of these men who were crushed to their death is the most recent death of a crew member who was about 18 years of age in 1966. And he's said to walk down the hall and disappear into the door where he met his demise. Don't go in that room, guys. Like, if you're seeing people that have died in that room going into that room and that room is killing people, don't go in there. Bryce, I specifically went into that room because I want to see his ghost. Well, then you deserve everything that his ghost is going to do to you. What is mm-hmm. wrong with you? Opposite direction. Ghost goes this way. Ghost goes that way. I go that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Try to 
walk in there with him. Walk into the door with him. I don't know about I am, you. You know what? I'm, I'm trying to say sayonara, ghost man. My worst fear is, like, a ghost. Like, I'm following a ghost that I think is a person, and they lead me into their fucking room where they died. That is my worst fear. Okay, so. my worst fear is that ghost in... Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. The ghost what in... Is... I gotta... Let's see. I can't remember what it's called. It's like the uh, Bermuda Triangle, but it's in it's near Boston. There's like a Bermuda Triangle near Boston? Yeah, I can't remember what the fucking... Ah, what is it called? It's like a... um. Hold on. Sorry, Bermuda I obviously can't type and text at the same time. In Boston. How Massachusetts came to have its own Bermuda Triangle. Yes, what is that called? Something Hockamock Swamp. Hockamock Swamp. Okay. Yes. It's in some kind of forest or something. Apparently, if you're driving near there, um, there's a specific highway that you drive down and they have a ghost that will appear in your back seat out of nowhere. And if you don't notice him, he will yell and scream and then just disappear. Excuse the fuck out of me. No, that's fucking rude as shit. That's fucked. That's actually really creepy. How dare you? Rude as shit. I'm fucking driving Jamie out to my music and you're gonna just scream? First of all, you weren't invited into my vehicle. Anyway, consent, sir. You do not have consent to be inside of my vehicle. Jackie, a young girl who drowned during the Queen Mary's sailing days, her voice and laughter can be heard echoing through the second class pool room to this day. A paranormal investigator by the name of Cher Garman says that there are no known drownings to have occurred on the ship, but Jackie says she's there and says that she drowned. The cover so, up. It's a damn cover up. It is a pretty big attraction site. In the first class staterooms, reports have been made of a tall, dark-haired man appearing in a 1930s-style suit, as well as water running and lights turning on in the middle of the night and phones ringing in the early morning hours with no one on the other line. In the third-class children's playroom, a baby's cry has often been heard, which is thought to be an an infant boy who died shortly after his birth. Oh, I don't like that. According to Histeco. Another woman is said to spend her time in the ship's first class lounge wearing a white evening gown and dances alone in a shadowy corner. And this woman is honestly my favorite because I would literally dress up every single night and go out dancing by myself if I could. She's your spirit animal, but an she actual is. spirit. She is. Exactly. In the first class swimming pool, women are often reported as wearing 1930s style swimsuits wandering the deck. People have reported hearing the sounds of splashing and have seen wet footprints leading from the deck to the changing rooms. So that's, that's that- where I draw the line. Fucking heinous. Absolutely not. <laughs> the last thing I want to see is R. 
The last thing I want to see are footprints walking away from me with nobody there to make them. No, unacceptable. That's here's the thing is you're saying they're like wet footprints, right? What if they're bloody footprints? Mm-hmm. No. Like that just sounds awful. And the whole thing is grotesque. Oh, some have even seen the spirits of a young girl holding her teddy bear on the like first that pool deck. Nope. No. Mm-mm. Why do you have your teddy bear on the pool deck? Um, because I I'm a young I'm a five year old and I just want my fucking teddy bear. I just threw a tantrum. My parents I'm- went to go get it for me. I'm going to say I can understand a five-year-old having her teddy bear on the pool deck. Well, I don't know. It just says a young girl. So not exactly sure the age. I just assume that, you know, it's not really teens. Probably, you know, age, walking age to say. Teddy bear having age. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, I still don't like children spirits because those are... I. I can't. They're demons. Yeah. No, not all agreed. of them are. In no, my mind, they all are. Unless it's my child. And even then, uh, prove it. Yeah. It's just, you know what? I, I, it's better safe than sorry. I'd rather assume mm-hmm. they all are than assume that the one isn't yeah. and then have it be a demon. I died and you visited my gravesite and you saw me as a kid. Would you oh. recognize me? Would you go and follow after me? What if nope. I was trying oh. to tell you something? What if I saw your death and I wanted to tell you, but I couldn't speak to you, so I had to show you? You're probably leading die. you. You're, okay, at that point, you're probably leading me to my death if you're trying to show it to me. No, bitch, because it happens two days after. Then how are you Duh. supposed to show me? But because if I I'm show you the place down- and I show you what you do and you know it. But you if understand I'm walking down the street and I'm communicating with you. If I'm walking down the street and a piano falls on me, okay, and two days before this happens, you're trying to explain it to me. If little eight-year-old ghost you walks me <laughs> down Main Street and is pointing up in the air, I'm not going to know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm walking. And what? You lost me. I don't know what that means. There was a lot of, like, emotions. Yeah. Like, see, I think, like, I'm walking and playing, and I'm walking and typing. Tickles. You're tickling someone. (laughs) (laughs) The ivory. (laughs) (laughs) I squish a bug. What? Like, literally. (laughs) I'm still squishing a bug. Yeah. No, I'm pointing to you. That's you. I'm squishing a bug. No, you're being squished. You were the person walking. You know what? Just write it down for me. Yes, just you're gonna have to write it down. I hold a pen, bro. Mail it to me. Write it in your blood. That's not gonna alarm me at all. If I get a bloody letter saying that I'm gonna be squished by a piano in two days. This is eight-year-old Brianna. You die tomorrow. Watch out. Guarantee you I'm not gonna leave the damn house. (laughs) That's what causes you to die. (laughs) Not leaving the house? Yeah. Uh, well, At you least now I can haunt my husband. In your letters, <laughs> you can't just be like you're gonna die tomorrow. I'm gonna say, well, <laughs> oh, 
What do I do to avoid it? Seven days. <laughs> Listen, I can only imagine Bree as a ghost. She would be the nicest ghost, first of all. She'd be over there yeah. like, don't go that way. Me and Amanda, <laughs> on the other hand, we'd be jumping out to scare the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah, I already do like, that. <laughs> if all three of us were a ghost in the same, let's let's just say we were all a ghost in the Queen Mary, me and Amanda would be the creepy ass freaking jerks leading people to uh, room 13. Door 13. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Brie, I don't know what you would be doing, but it'd be nice. I would either doing. be the young girl holding her teddy bear or the woman wearing a white ball gown dancing. Yeah, you're probably dancing to your own. Yeah, because I ain't going near that ballroom. Uh uh-uh, uh, no way. <laughs> Me and Amanda I can't dance are for shit, though. Yeah, listen. No. We're gonna take the donkey on roller skates and we're gonna fucking just fuck around mm-hmm. with everyone we can find. Oh, by the way, if y'all didn't get that, you need to go and watch our <laughs> Patreon right now because it's kind of an inside joke. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Yes, it's very important. Mm-hmm. You'll never know what the donkey on roller skates is. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on to your mayonnaise. Seriously. Your mayonnaise will be blown off. <laughs> That's also another inside joke. So go go listen to it right now. Oh no, that was an outside. This is an joke. order. Yeah, this oh. is a previous episode joke. The mayonnaise. It's oh, even in the description. Really? Yeah, oh. like, I was very adamant on putting "hold on to your mayonnaise" on the description. It's there. Might be. Might be. Y'all. I remember one of the clips that I edited. I had mayo and no mayo because I had that part in. And Bryce specifically used the one with mayonnaise. I did. Hold on to your mayonnaise. <laughs> I did. I sure did. I'm fun, guys. Okay. <laughs> there have been reports of sounds of distant knocks, doors slamming, high-pitched squeals, drastic temperature changes, and odd smells. And this is described as aromas of smells long past i have no idea what that means but my guess is that it smells like your grandmother smelled you know like your grandmother always has like a specific scent right like Like you yeah exactly Mm -hmm. like i remember my i mean i don't remember it now it's kind of like a float flowery maybe scent but like when i smell it i know exactly it's like a chanel member i'm not exactly sure but i know exactly the perfume that my grandmother used to smell like so it used to put on and she smells like it too and you'd recognize it so yeah, yeah I, exactly so it's I like get smells of long past like do you smells. think in their dining area it smells like delicious food all the time i hope so I don't because that would make me hungry while I'm there. It's like, well, if I'm in the dining area, I better be eating. I don't know if they're still serving if, food in the dining area. If you're honest, how are they going to serve at the pool deck with the little girl in the, the museum now? That's actually technically the first class pool deck, and from what I read, it's off limits. No one. So is they definitely to serve food there. We're not allowed to no. eat it. <laughs> they. They don't. That's the whole point I was trying to make. <laughs> and if they do serve food, we're not invited. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I'm first class. So. Oh, I'm Did like I bottom class. <laughs> I'm like trailer trash, so 
Yeah. So, so y'all will be living in the engine room right next to door 13. Oh. <laughs> I don't well, like yeah, you set yourself up leading. for that. <laughs> I mean, at this point, if we're living on the boat, we're dead, Amanda. So we are leading people to door 13. So we might as well just live there at this point. It might be a little crowded, though. But if we're leading people to door 13, that means door 13 is on our side because we're working with it. Yes. You don't and know that. I know it. I'm calling. What if the what if the guy who died doesn't like you? And How can he not. He's going to love us. <laughs> I did my hair. Listen, he's going to love us. He's going to be like, "Yes, new yeah. friends to lead." Listen, we could all like join arms like in the wizard of oz and skip through door 13 together really mess with people i love it he, he's gonna love us we have new inventive ideas for him mm-hmm. and i love fucking with people so yeah though he might not be fucking with people so he will when i'm done with him i mean that's fine <laughs> i'm just saying right now he might be like uh, no i'm just trying to show people where i died and we're gonna say that's great we're going to add a twist to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's all of my notes. Um, I just have something that says, and I think this was a story that we previously did. I don't know why I have it, but it says Provenikov. Provenikov. Dinikov. Provenikov. Provolon. Yeah. Pardon me. I'm sorry. What? Wait. Let me let me get it straight. Hold on. Wait. Spell it for me. Ati. Okay. It is P R A V E N D N I K O V. Maybe it was like a story that I was working on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hold on. Wait. Orgia Pravednikov <laughs> was formed in the early 1990 by a merge of the rock group Artel, whose style can be described as art rock and singer, songwriter, and acoustic guitarist Sergey Collin, who had just had his previous act. Blah, blah, blah. I'm done. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is either. I don't know. <laughs> I, but yeah, that's, that's it. Thanks for listening. If you guys know what the Provendigna blah blah is, let us know. Provendikov. Yes. Provendikov. If you know what it is, (laughs) Nikov. So that we know what it is, because we don't know. I'm going to guess that your keyboard was open and you were holding your phone and your thumb hit a bunch of letters. But if it does that, then it usually like repeats letters, you know? I I did type in Queen Mary afterwards and it's still not giving me anything yeah i don't know what you did there missing (laughs) now this is the real mystery is what the hell yeah why did i type that Uh, y'all let us know (laughs) Uh, if you have any theories let us know um, I also think, Brie, that might have been uh, one of those episodes you were drinking. So maybe it was like a drunken typing thing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was, maybe I was like going to research something else. Like, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> we don't know. Mm-mm. Also, I am almost one month sober. Speaking of Ooh, that. Oh, look at you go. Yeah. 
We're very proud of you. You're growing up so fast. I know. I know. I'll Um, probably, you know, have like a a binge night on the 31st and then regret it and go back to not drinking. So Why on the 31st? Because that'll be a month. I told myself that I would do a month. And, you know, I don't know. Oh, okay. That that makes more sense. Because I was like, what's on the third? There's no holidays on the 31st. Um, it's my like, birthday, it- bitch. Actually, today is my not. official half birthday. I was going to be like, it is not your birthday. Your birthday is in July. Because I had to Google what your sign was the other day because I had seen a TikTok. Um, and I was trying to figure out if you were a Gemini, which I didn't think you were. But it, that Gemini described you to a T. <laughs> I was a little upset that <laughs> you weren't. To me. Well, wait, what are you? I'm a Leo. Yeah. I feel like I'm a Leo to a T. Literally what are you, everything Bryce? about Leo, I am. Um, I am either an Aries or a Taurus, depending on which source you want to trust. Oh, are you a cusp? Sure. Yes. What do you I'm mean, one of sure. those. <laughs> like, I does just... your birthday fall on one where it can be one or the other? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're a cusp. Okay. I'm a cusp. Yeah, I'm gonna... first day of Leo, and which makes me also a cusp. But I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of Cancer, but not really. What are you? I'm Pisces yeah. as fuck. Listen, nice. the TikTok that I had seen referred back to American Horror Story, and it felt very much like a Brie moment. <laughs> but I'll, I'll find it and I'll send it to you guys. But yeah, that's that is why I looked up what you were. By the way. So I was going to text and ask, but I was too impatient to wait for a response. So I just took matters into my own hands. Usually when people like at me, you know, I'm pretty fast to respond because I'm always by my phone. But then, you know, if there's just like casual conversation, I'm like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll respond in like an hour, five hours. Um, I just wasn't sure if you would have seen it in the group text. So that's why I was oh, like, oh, yeah, I'll just figure it out for myself. It's not like I don't have the tools to figure it out. I knew your birthday. so. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hell on Heels podcast. There is also a Facebook page of Hell on Heels podcast. Um, if you want to support us, you can donate through Patreon, which as we mentioned at the beginning, we have some revamping that we're doing on our Patreon. We're adding some more fun content. Um, we all are going to be posting our MASH futures on Patreon. And we would also like to start involving our patrons or as we so lovingly call you guys, our Hellions um, in those MASH Yes, in those MASH uh, futures that you're going to have. So go ahead and go check us out on Patreon. If you want to donate, by all means, go for it. If not, you're not going to have all the exclusive content, but that's totally fine. We still appreciate your support for listening to us through whatever platform you do choose to listen through. Um, If you do have your own true crime or paranormal stories, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Linktree. The easiest way of finding our Linktree is just by going to our Instagram and clicking on the link to the Linktree there. Um, again, a huge shout out to James, Amanda's husband, for making our intro music. We really appreciate it. I give you a shout out every time, so you should know the drill. Does he even listen? Sometimes. Oh, okay. So it's like my husband. Gotcha. And we should only sometimes thank him. Yeah. I'm going to stop thanking you every time, James, because that's just rude until you listen consistently. I'm fine with that. That's too many words. He knows I love him. It's fine. Yeah, I shit this kid out with him, so. That's true. 
So be sure to like, review, and subscribe on any platform that you can. You can now give us a rating on Spotify. So if you want to go on to Spotify and rate us, that would be really wonderful. We do only accept five-star ratings. So get out of here with anything lower than that, because we're we'll cry if you give us anything lower. I'm not- uh, well, I'm going to cry a lot. Yeah. If we are not on your preferred listening platform, please let us know and we'll work on getting that up or getting our episodes up on those channels. Um, And then other than that, I think that's everything. And we're excited to hear Amanda's second part to Dorothea Puentes next week. And we have a, yeah, next week will be another good one. So Mm -hmm. we're excited, but this has been Hell on Heels. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.